a great day to flex your freedom. I'm your host, Barb Allen. Today's guest is a real treat for me personally to interview and is going to be an absolute treat for you all to get to know. If you have not already got to know him, if you haven't seen him online from any of his viral videos or the news interviews he's done or the articles that he has shared and posted, what an incredible, incredible story. What an amazing spirit and heart this man has. He exemplifies everything we talk about in terms of what it is, A, just to be a kind, gracious human being, and B, to really be proud of the American spirit, of our nationality, our patriotism, and how to do so in a way that is that is inclusive of everybody and does invite conversation and topic instead of spreading more anger. We can all get a little snippy, myself included. I definitely have an attitude when people come at me and uh, start bashing our country and talking badly about it because it is very near and dear to me. But today's guest is a little more eloquent than I am and manages <laughs> to do so with a smile. And his story is one that is going to grip you right at your core because he has gone through already. He has what he has done to become an American, which so many of us take for granted every single day we get up, uh, and what he does now to give back and contribute to his country that has opened his arms to him, even though I'm sure he's had his share of struggles. Um, let's get into it today with Alma O'Hen. See, I just asked. I just asked how to pronounce your name, and now I'm stumbling over it. Alma O'Hennie Opare, um, I am so very excited to have you sitting down here with us today. Thank you so much for having me. So before we get into your story, I'm going to start right off with a question I like to ask. This is a Flex Your Freedom podcast. So I'm just going to ask you in your own words, what does freedom actually mean to you? Well, um, I think for me, uh, when I think about freedom, I think freedom is the vehicle for achieving your true and full potential. All right. So... <laughs> you're you're born into this world and and you're born into um, a world of limitations and challenges and you know trial and and freedom is the way you navigate through that world to get to your full potential and and that so that's how I see it it's it's a, it's a it's a vehicle for achieving what you believe your full potential is awesome love it and then freedom it does, it does cover so many, so many areas, right? Which is always interesting to see what the first thing is that comes to somebody's head when I ask, because it's such a, it's such a vague term, right? So it means something different to yeah. everybody, but that's why we like to do it because there's all forms of freedom. And, and so digging into each one of these is important. And you definitely have done and continue to do, and will only keep continuing to do everything you can to reach your own potential. Let's get back. Let's take people. We don't have to go like full on hardcore into your background, your story, but let's take people through the basics of um, where you were born and what you've done, what your journey was to come to this country. All right. So I was originally born in Ghana, which is in West Africa. And um, one thing I, I used to tell people when I would tell them I, I was born in Ghana, every now and then I would meet someone who doesn't know where Ghana is. And then I, I would... happens more often than not. <laughs> and, and so what I, I used to do is when people would ask me, where, where is that? I would respond, uh, it's a small town in Wyoming. <laughs> <laughs> and how many people believe you? <laughs> I actually had someone ask me if I was a farmer. 
love so, it. I love it. Um, Ghana is in West Africa. I grew up in a in the capital of Ghana, which is called Accra, and um, I am one of five children. I'm the middle child. Um, later in life, my parents adopted a sixth, and so I I have um, five brothers and sisters. So three sisters and two brothers. But I grew up in Ghana, in West Africa, and my journey to America actually started long before I came here. My mom had an opportunity as a teenager to be an exchange student in New York. So she spent her final year of um, high school as an exchange student in upstate New York. And Where? so in Nowhere? Sherman, Sherman Where? New York. Okay, I haven't so heard of that. Not, we're, it's not all the way upstate, but it's right by Lake Erie. Okay. Um, and so, yeah. So she's, <laughs> yeah, she spent some time in New York. And so growing up, we had pictures of my mom in New York and all the tales she told about America had us fascinated uh, about America. She told us about the f- food, which we thought was crazy. You know, she told us about Sloppy Joe's and... And the fact that Americans put milk in their soups and, and things like that, that was just crazy to us. <laughs> and so we, we had a fascination about America long before I came here. And in 1989, my dad also had an opportunity to go to uh, Los Angeles on a business trip. And he was gone for three months. And when he came back, he had you know pictures of himself going to Disneyland, Universal Studios, Sea World, and so I saw these pictures, and I thought, I want to go to this place, right? A place where I can see and touch dolphins. And and when I thought about my um, my state and, and where I was in Ghana, I knew that it was impossible to have those opportunities, even if I wanted to in Ghana. It was just impossible to do that. And so I I, I became fixated on this idea of going to a place where. Like my dreams did not have to be limited to what my country could provide, right? And I wanted to to be able to dream freely because, like I said, I feel freedom is the vehicle to your true potential. And so in order for me to do that, I needed to be in a place where I didn't have to curtail my dreams and my ideas because, you know, of some limitation of the country. So that's where my desire came from. And eventually... Um, I graduated high school when I was 16, and I, I wrote the SAT. I was excited uh, to come to America, but my parents were like, uh, we're not letting you go to America at 16. <laughs> and so I couldn't come at okay, that dear. time. Um, okay. They made me wait. And so I actually started college in Ghana and um, went to a year of college in Ghana before I ended up coming to the U.S. But I didn't actually come here initially to go to school. I actually came here as a missionary for my church, as a Christian missionary. So that is that is kind of my journey to coming to America. And that was when I was 19. I landed in Los Angeles. Crazy. Do do any of your brothers and sisters, did they have the same interest to to travel at all outside of your where you were born and raised or to come here or anywhere else? Um, actually, yes. Um, my older brother actually came to America before I did. Um, he came to America, I believe, in 2001. Um, and, and so he was here when I got here. And eventually, my little brother also joined me. My sisters have not been here yet. But my uh, all three boys 
have been here. We all were educated here in the U.S. Um, my brother lives in Idaho now with his family, and he ended up marrying a girl from Alaska. <laughs> and so he is here with his family in Idaho, and my little brother uh, went back to Ghana after he finished school. So Cool. What a great thing it is to experience different cultures like that. I spent a year after I graduated high school, I spent a year in Denmark as an exchange student. So I know what it's like to have that opportunity to go live in a in another culture. And it's funny when you're talking about the foods. I remember they were like peanut butter, like you <laughs> like you took peanut butter and jelly. Like they were so disgusted by peanut butter and jelly. Oh, wait which- until you hear me tell you. We have a delicacy in Ghana, which is peanut soup. So we actually take the peanut butter and we make a soup out of it. And it's delicious. A lot of Americans who come to Ghana fall in love with peanut soup. Peanut butter soup. I'm going to have to hit you up for that recipe because I feel like I got to try it. All right. So now you're over here as a missionary or, you know, back then you came over as a missionary, which is just another mm-hmm. super cool thing to do. You're already service oriented. You already have a service. What was your mission? What was your mission in LA? All right. So my mission was just to, you know, spread Christianity around. And so I, my mission area was Los Angeles, the greater Los Angeles area. And my job on a day-to-day basis was to go door to door and talk to people about, <laughs> you know, you know, Christianity. And so I would knock their door and say, do you believe in God? And we would have a conversation and it wasn't always pleasant. Every now and then people would, you know, say they were not interested or sometimes we would have doors slammed in our faces uh, and so on. But the idea was to serve people. And so um, in scenarios where we couldn't get into a lot of doors, we just shifted over to volunteering in various places. And so helping people all around. But, yeah, it was it was an opportunity to actually meet Americans on their own turf. Right. And that meet is- them in their homes and meet them in their lives, live in their yeah. lives. And so I thought that experience gave me a very unique um, perspective of American life. You know, that I think a lot of immigrants don't get because I was able to see people kind of in their most unguarded and uh, vulnerable states where, you know, people needed help and we were able to help them. And so that gave me a, a very special appreciation of American life and and what it takes to kind of make it here and, and succeed here. So I think that goes along with one of your quotes that I heard you say or post or whatever that I just loved. And you said, when I became an American citizen, Americans pro- America's problems became my problems. And I love how you put that. And I think it, it sounds like that's something that you embraced from from the minute that your feet hit the ground. Well, but it sounds like you embraced that well before you were a citizen because what did it take you, like 18 years to become a citizen? It um, took, the, the entire journey took 18 years. However, yeah. um, the actual path to citizenship started about 10 years um, into that journey. And so normally okay. when you come into America, you're not automatically on a path to citizenship, even if you're here legally. Um, so depending on the visa that you come into America on, um, you can't even think about staying here permanently. So as a, as a missionary or as a student, I could not, um, I was not considered someone who was looking to immigrate into the country. So there are certain visa classes. Once you are able to get onto those visa classes, then there is the expectation that you may want to stay here. 
So that didn't happen until about 10 years into my journey. And then after that, once that intention is made, it takes, it took about, you know, another eight years for me to obtain citizenship. So the entire journey was 18 years. And um, it was, I, I remember waking up, uh, my wife and I waking up and praying on a daily basis for God to open a way for us to be able to stay here permanently. And wow. that was that was something that we we wanted to do so badly, but um, we just had to deal with the you know the the current immigration system, and so we just held on and made sure we didn't do anything that disqualified us from that opportunity in the future. So can I ask you then, because obviously this is a hot topic today, and I have no idea what your what your position is on this. I'm just genuinely curious to hear because I know my position as somebody who has not had to go through that, right? So I I didn't have to go through the process that you went through. Um, so I don't know what my perspective would be on this, but the current the current issue with people coming into this country illegally and staying and being given these flights or these tickets or whatever, I mean, do you have any thoughts on that? Like, do you have any suggestions on how this could be changed or, or do you yeah. feel like it needs to be changed? Do you feel like it's the right thing to do? Like, I don't know. Do you feel like, do you feel like the process to become a citizen is too lengthy and complicated? And so these people are justified in doing it the way they're doing or, or not? Like, you have to get So actually I had a conversation with my wife this morning about this very topic and one of the things I brought up was the fact that my brother was here. He was educated here um, in the U.S. However, when he um, was about to graduate, the prospects of him being able to stay here permanently were not looking very good, especially with um, you know the economy and, and different things. And so he opted to go back because he didn't want to be in a position where he would be here illegally. And so okay. he went back. I have friends who have been here, have had their education here have even received their master's degrees here who had to return because they did not want to violate the laws here because they didn't have an opportunity to stay. And so for me waiting 18 years to finally become an American citizen, I think my perspective is that, and, and the way I've described it to people is that um, imagine I took my son, my, I have a, a five-year-old, imagine I took him to the grocery store and then, you know, when we come out and I find that he has taken something that did not belong to him, you know, will the lesson or will the message, my message to him be, well, don't do that again, but you get to keep the thing you took, right? Or would I say, no, no, you have to go back and you have to do it the right way. You can't take things that don't belong to you. And for me, um, American citizenship was important enough to me to want to make sure that I was obeying every law that was placed in front of me um, in order to obtain it legally. And I think that um, we have to have high standards of the people we expect to become our fellow citizens in the future. And, and the way we do that is not to um, kind of acquiesce to this lawlessness. And, and so when, it, I think a couple of days ago, I heard the vice president um, on one of the late night shows. And, and she was talking about, you know, the busing of immigrants across the country. And one of the things she said was that when uh, they initially came into the office, one of the first things they did was to try to pass a law to create a path to citizenship for illegal immigrants. 
And my thought was, how does that solve anything? What about those of us who came here legally? I was here for many years paying taxes, purchasing homes, doing business, even wanting to start businesses. And I did not get, um, I did not get the opportunity to do so because I was obeying the law. And why should other people get that opportunity um, to basically jump the line? And so um, for a lot of us legal immigrants, this is an issue that um, hits the core because we think it's a, there is a, a sense of unfairness to it um, that cannot be ignored. Yeah, well, I was really curious to know how you'd answer that because I don't want to, I think a lot of it, myself included, I may make presumptions about how somebody who's gone through that may feel, but I don't know, you know, so that's why I want to ask the question. I appreciate you answering it uh, in that way. It's a, it's a loaded topic, right? There's so many things in this country. So you coming from another country, you're married, you're a father of four, right? Yes. Yeah. I have four kids too. I know that that's a lot of bedlam to, to raise <laughs> four kids. Um, you know, that's a, that is a lot. So what are some things that you, or are there things that you see happening in this country today that, that are a cause for concern for your children growing up or are there things that are happening in this country today that you are celebrating and so glad are happening for your children? You know, the path, the direction this country is on, do you feel like it's a, something to look forward to your kids stepping into as adults or are there things you think that we need to remedy? Um, so there are a lot of things going on in the country that um, bother me um, as someone who is raising kids in America. However, I still see America, of course, as the shining city on the hill and a place where I think most people can flourish. And so one of the things I don't do with my children is to kind of give them any excuse to, you know, to be sanguine about life in America, right? I, I want to, them to have the perspective that it's much difficult in other places, much more difficult in other places. And they have a privilege to be American and they have to cherish that privilege. However, even in, in, the, in the spirit of kind of being a cheerleader for America, we still need to be able to identify some of the challenges we're having. And what I think is a lot of the challenges we have in America, in, in America today are self-inflicted. They exist because we allow them to. It's not because we don't have enough money to solve them. It's not because we, we don't um, need to solve those problems. It's because we allow them to for whatever reason. And what I'm hoping to be able to do with my voice is to help people understand that, yes, we have problems. However, those problems can be solved and we need to understand or, or determine why there are factions in, in America that literally don't want those problems to be solved. And, and we need to expose that ideology around you know, keeping the problems festering. And, and sometimes I actually have an article coming up um, very soon that talks about this. And I, the way I describe it is I call it the, the adulteration of compassion. It's this idea that, oh, we're going to be compassionate with people such that we're going to allow them to destroy themselves or destroy our cities, right? 
And, and that's not true compassion. True compassion is telling people the truth, even if it hurts. And yes. so America definitely does have challenges. And I think um, hopefully I can be a voice to, to highlight some of those challenges and help people kind of figure out, figure out a way out of it. Yeah. So is this some stuff that you talk about? I know you have a book coming out, right? American Privilege. Yes. Um, with the yeah. book, my goal is to talk about my experience and my journey coming to America and um, uh, to kind of share with people why I think becoming American is a privilege. Um, uh, there is a narrative going around uh, these days that kind of it's, it's pretty negative towards America and our founding. For instance, we think about 1619 Project, you think about the ideas of you know, critical race theory, you think about a lot of different things that are permeating our, our conversations. And a lot of them are geared towards kind of portraying America as this dystopian place where, you know, certain people can't make it. And, and what I'm hoping to show people is that for a lot of us who came from other places, this country and being part of this country is a privilege. And I want to be able to showcase that. That's awesome. If you had a message, so can I ask you then, let's start there. Who would you like to see? run for run for president in this next cycle <laughs> um i don't know any particular person at this point that i will pick per se however okay. i think whoever it is has to be someone who is very clear on what their principles are someone who is connected with the ideas of the founding someone who is able to articulate those ideas in a way that is not abrasive um, in a way that, you know, brings people together and engenders this sense of patriotism that I think is being lost in, in a lot of circles in America. So I'm looking for someone who, um, you know, unlike, you know, our current uh, uh, situation, who can truly um, bring back this sense of unity, this sense of we can, we can, make, we can make it together, right? And, and someone who knows their principles and are not going to budge on those fundamental principles, but they don't have to be adversarial all the time in espousing those principles um, in order to make it so that it is easier for even people that don't always vote a certain way to be able to vote that way. Right. right. And so um, that's, that's the kind of candidate I'm looking for. I'm not looking for, um, someone who is just abrasive, because that can work in certain circles. But in the end, does it heal the country? Does it yeah. bring us together? And I think so we I need think that, that rules out. To progress. I think that rules out a, a popular name <laughs> that we're hearing. But um, you know, maybe it does offer another path for you. Maybe, maybe we should reach out to the White House staff and have you write their speeches. <laughs> you know, maybe that. I don't know how many times I've thought. <laughs> I've thought that. You know, if like, look, I, I hear what you're job, trying to say. If I could pick right? a job, I would say, let's do. I, I would love to be some kind of communications uh, person right. to help articulate these principles. Right. I right. think um, there are a lot of arguments that we can make, but we can make those arguments without malice, right? Without denigrating the other side, and and to look at our opponents as people who are potential converts. So as a missionary, I walked into every door thinking of the person I was going to meet as 
a potential convert. And with that mindset, that meant that I had to treat them with the utmost respect. I had to treat them like they were persons, individuals. I couldn't lump them together with the, the last 10 houses that I went to. I had to treat them on their own merit, right? Because my goal was to share something I believe was true and to help them see that that truth makes my life better. And you yeah. know, the thing with good news is when you have good news, you want to share it. That's a, a, a natural instinct. And so I want people to see that light and that, uh, that um, positivity about my spirit and to be able to say, I want what that guy has, right? I want to be part of what he is, he's doing because it enlightens me. It raises my spirit. It makes me feel proud to be American. And, and I want to be part of it. And I'm, I'm willing to cross that picket line to do so, right? And, and that's how I, I hope we can begin to kind of espouse our beliefs such that, you know, we, we open up those beliefs to a wider swath of Americans. Yeah. Well, I need to hang out with you a little more because I started off. <laughs> that is how we started off on our platform. You know, we're going to be this place that but everything you just said, we try to be. And uh, over the years, we've just been. Let's just say we've been uh, whittled away a little bit to to realize that for ourselves, for us, we had a we we did not succeed in maintaining the the open line of communication that you have. I did become a little jaded uh, about it and a little frustrated, and so I will voice that sometimes, right? But I try, I do try to. There are lines that I won't cross. I do feel on both sides when we all just hop online and literally just start personally attacking, for instance, somebody will make a comment on a post and somebody else will personally attack them as if they have done something directly to them, right? Like if I see, if I went on one of your posts and I disagreed what you said, and then mm -hmm. I started directly attacking you as a person, maybe your family and your values and your character and your morality, I feel like that is just, I, I see people on, on both sides of the position on all sides of the positions doing this to one another. And it's maddening. I don't think I'm like, if I, if you want to have a conversation with somebody, if I want to have, have this conversation and have you listen to my thoughts, does it, if I come in and just start insulting you and cursing at you, you mm -hmm. off the bat, Hey, Alma, do you know what an idiot you are? Everything you say is stupid. You're never going to like, are you going to be interested in anything I have to say? Or are you going to give me any credibility. So I hear exactly. your point. And I, um, I think yeah. um, there's this popular phrase, don't shoot the messenger. However, yes. if the messenger comes with guns blazing, right, then the message gets lost, right? Because, yeah. and so it, it matters how we present our values. Because if our values are truly noble, if our values are truly uplifting, then that that should resonate in our countenance and it should resonate in the way we approach people. And so we are the best examples of the values we hold. And so if we're going out there saying, Hey, I have the torch of freedom, but I'm going to bash you with that torch in order <laughs> to show you how good freedom is. Right. That's, that's not the right vehicle. At, at least in my opinion, that's not the right vehicle. And it may gin up a little bit of support here and there, but that's not a long-term recipe for success. 
And we need to start thinking long-term in America. A lot of the problems we see in our country are due to short-sighted thinking. Agreed. We we need to start thinking long-term. Agreed. When you were out there speaking and doing what you're doing, which by the way, did, did you like set out to do this or was it you had a video out there that just went viral and just took off? What is it? You, I mean, you have a day job, correct? You have, you have, you have a career path and a, and a different career, like a whole different life outside of being this person who steps forward online and speaks, right? So what happened in your world, in your family? How did that change your home life and your professional life when all of a sudden you got up one day and realized that this video had just taken off and then it continued to do so and all the things that happened since then. So I, I have been plugged into American conversation because I've just been interested um, as someone who came from a country where, you know, my freedoms were not always guaranteed. This was something that was interesting to me, um, understanding American life. Um, and American politics and just keeping my ear to the ground on the various things happening in our country. Uh, However, I always felt like, you know, because I wasn't a citizen yet, you know, what right do I have to come and lecture Americans on, you know, how to live their lives or how to, you know, run their public policy. And and so um, I spoke up a little bit, but not a lot. Um, And so um, when I, I decided to to take on this idea of being a commentator, I knew that at some point it was going to resonate with people. And and so with the viral video, it was something that I actually predicted when I was creating creating it that it would, I thought it would get attention. Um, Of course, I did not predict how far it would go. I did not expect (laughs) to be getting calls from Fox News and other places, but it was something that I knew that needed to be said and I felt like I was tapping into the psyche of the average American who felt slighted by what the president had said. And so um, once it started going viral, I knew that, okay, this is the opportunity for me to kind of begin to articulate, you know, some of the things that I believe and, and be able to, you know, potentially look at this as an opportunity to go where I've always felt I wanted to be, which is to be a communicator, someone who is able to bridge the gap that has um, continues to widen in in America on both sides. Right, we we are separating from each other, and I'm hoping that maybe and and, and some I, I think some people might think you know it's a lost cause. However, even until you know, even if you know, <laughs> a ship is going to sink. We do everything we can while we have the strength right. to try to help, right? And, and I didn't come to America to give up, right? I didn't come to America to watch the ship go down, you know? And so America's problems are my problems. And if no one is willing to captain that ship, you know, I'm gonna do what I can. And I'm gonna try to rally as many people as possible to get into that um, state of mind of trying to protect this special union. I love that. You know, I feel the same way you do. Like we all have our reasons, right? For me, my husband was killed in Iraq and my four kids didn't have the chance to be raised by their father. And we went through a lot as a result of that. So for me, 
that's my why. Like you have your why. You came to this country and you didn't come here to give up. I love that. And I feel like we're doing what we're doing because my family has felt the cost of this freedom that so many of us are throwing away and that is being threatened and taken down and torn down every day. And just like you, I don't know if what, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how it's going to go. I feel like the pendulum is about to shift to swing back. Even if it does, even if we manage to course correct, you know, hopefully we do, even if we manage to course correct, who's to say that in 10 years, we won't be right back where we are today or 20 years of, like it's never guaranteed we all have to keep this forefront in our minds and be vigilant about it we all have to take care and nurture and cherish this and so we need more people like you who are out there willing to to speak up and you do so in a way i mean have you been attacked by by people from the other the other side of the issue have you been called out are there i imagine no one can say anything without people disagreeing with them, right? But so I, I know you had that, but have you have you felt any backlash from speaking out? Um, actually, not really. Of course, there have been. A You're a hard guy to not like. Uh, <laughs> there have been a couple of people who have said different things, but yeah. I, I look at it quite differently. Like I don't. I expect that as part of life, you right. are always going to have pushback. Um, and, and pushback is what allows you to truly kind of evaluate what you're pushing out there, right? And so if you're pushing something and you don't get any pushback, you know, there is a tendency to not truly kind of bake the consequences of your actions into your decision making, right? And so I like that there is pushback, but I would say overwhelmingly, the, the response has been very positive. And I think also it is, it's hard to fight with a lovable person. It <laughs> right? really is. Like and so I think it is strategic yeah. as well that when you are positive, it turns away the wrath that people would normally have against your personality and turns it towards actually talking about what you are saying. Yes, and, and that's what I meant when I said, you know, you, you have your torch of freedom and you're bashing people with it, right? But if you come in, in a kind of a different demeanor, it disarms the people who may be kind of obliged to attack you personally. And so I, I feel that and the reason this has actually helped me and bolstered my desire to continue to do this is the fact that I have seen a lot of positive response to this. And, and so I am looking at this as this has to be the way that we go out there with our messages. This has to be the way because it's getting through and I'm able to have conversations with people who disagree with me without coming out, you know, feeling jaded or feeling attacked or feeling insulted, you know. And, and so, so far, I think it's been good. And I'd like that to continue. Yeah, so so would I, please. I would like that to continue um, for you, especially as well, because I think you're making uh, headway. You know, every we all respond to different personalities, right? So there'll be some people who don't mind the abrasive personalities and who love to get in there and dig in, and then there are some people that are turned off by that, or some mm -hmm. people who need you know that more kind of gentle, open approach that you offer. I love that. So, have you been getting good? feedback then, not just from 
those who are conservative based, but are you getting it from those who are more democratic based? Um, I have a, a someone I would call a friend now because okay. we've had a lot of back and forth on social media. And what this person has allowed me to do is like, uh, really allowed me to, to check what I'm trying to say to make sure that um, I'm, I'm truly considering both sides of an issue and also not falling into the trap of kind of, you know, talking points and falling on talking points. Um, and so I like that back and forth. And I've, I've said that um, when I launch my podcast in a month or so, I want to bring him on because I want to kind Perfect. of have that yeah. other side perspective so that if there's something that I'm missing, if there's a blind spot, right, that maybe I can be, you know, apprised of that blind spot and make adjustments as needed. And, yeah. and so that's, cool. um, that's something I've gotten. But for the most part, like I've said, um, most of the comments I've received have been positive. Uh, and because I'd like to focus on universal truths. I don't right. focus on personalities in my postings. I don't usually um, respond to individuals. Even when I'm talking about something that is happening in the country, I usually don't you know, say this person did this, which is bad. I usually talk in general about you know, something that is happening that needs to change. Right. And, and people can put two and two together and say, okay, that person was involved in that situation and so on. So I don't ever want my, my speech to, I don't want to create a vehicle for people to attack each other with, right? I don't want to create a tool for people to use to bash each other with. And so um, I, I try, I painstakingly try to um, choose my words carefully and frame my arguments in such a way that people can see the universal truths that I'm trying to portray rather than yeah. focus and be distracted by the personalities around it. Do you apply those same techniques to parenting, talking to your kids? <laughs> <laughs> um, in my home, um, I, yeah. I, I'm not a perfect parent. My wife would attest to that. Who is? Um, Who is? But my goal is to expect excellence for my children. And, and I feel like they have the potential to do so. And my goal as a parent is to make sure that um, they don't allow themselves to not take advantage of the opportunities in front of them. And, and sometimes it requires a little nudging, but that's the only place I take liberties, at, you know, correcting my children, because I feel like, you know, this is one, one place that I cannot fail. So there is a, a yes. popular quote that says, no amount of success can compensate for failure in the home. And that's, I think that is that's what a, I, I that's want a to good one. To. That's a good one. I struggle now. I made it through, you know, eighteen years of raising my kids without my husband, right? And so they're grown, they're out of the house, and I look back and I'm like, man, I should have done so much better. <laughs> you know? so, yeah, oh, you did I, a great I, job, I, I'm sure. I should have done um, yeah, so much I, better, right? And I it's really hard empathize to, with your your situation. And I know it's hard. It's, I know it's really hard to be that, you know, single parent, you know, trying to raise these kids. You know, I, I'm lucky I have my wife with me um, who helps me along the way. Actually, she takes the lead in, in some of these cases. Um, however, 
yeah, I appreciate the work that you have done and many, so many others have done to raise kids in, under such difficult circumstances. Yeah, I think any parent just does their best they can with the tools they have at that point in their life, right? Like yeah. maybe we learned things down the road that would have helped us back then, but we weren't, we didn't have those tools back then. So you just do the best you can with what you have. All right. So you have another quote. I have, you're full of quotes and I love it. Like I could, I could just go out on and on with this. Um, but you have, and I want to lean towards this too. Actually, let me ask you this first. So, you know, you said, and I saw that you were on Fox news and you have some other interviews too. Right. But if another outlet like CNN or MSNBC or something called, you would go there too, correct? You would, the question I would ask if I got that call would right. be, what is the goal? True. What That's is the goal? Because the, um, I, I do not want to be used as a tool um, for any purpose, anybody's you know, right. private um, goals, right? And so that's the first thing I'm going to ask is, what is the goal? What is the purpose? Why are you wanting to speak to me? Is it an opportunity to really have a conversation about what matters in America and truly cool. get my perspective? Or yeah. are you trying to create a caricature of me or what I'm trying to portray? And so that's the question I'm going to ask. And if I feel that I am um, being there would allow me to truly kind of um, show what I believe um, is right and be allowed to art articulate those ideas without um, kind of creating um, creating some kind of um, made-for-TV, you know. Like a soundbite that they could use. Exactly, a soundbite type situation or gotcha, gotcha. type situation. Um, then I, I would speak anywhere. Gotcha. Um, but I know that there are people who, are, who have nefarious intent, and I will not allow those people to use me for those yeah. ends. Which I, I think you shouldn't. I, I'm asking, like, I personally would love to see you speak and have that conversation on a large platform with people who disagree with you, because I feel like mm -hmm. you're, I, I think a lot of good could come from it if it was done in the right way. You know, exactly. I think if it was done in the right way, I feel like so much good could come from that. Um, so exactly. I'd, um, I'd love a lot to see of times that these, these media mm -hmm. outlets, of course, have the, ability to, right. um, especially if it's not live, have the ability to edit. Um, right. and, and, and so without the right purpose, they can make anyone sound anyone you know, how they it. want them to sound rather than portray what the person was saying in context. Right. Yeah. And so that's something that, you know, when you go on, on shows like that, you are putting yeah. a lot of power in their hands to kind of define the narrative and, and so, and so if there is a true and genuine interest in wanting to see what the other side has, um, I'm willing to speak anywhere. Yeah, I would, I would love to see that happen. I would, that, that might be the only time I watch CNN is if, is if, um, is if they had you on to discuss some issues, you know, in that way. And speaking of all these major platforms and issues, I did see a post the other day. It said, looks like you're thinking about doing what you need to do over the next bunch of years and then throwing your hat in that political ring. True or false, sir? <laughs> yeah. Um, a lot of people uh, responding to my videos would say, hey, why don't you run for office? And uh, for a long time, I felt like politics has become a very ineffective vehicle for actually enacting change. 
Right. And so I've always been disillusioned about politics as, as the way to actually get things done. Um, however, when you listen to some politicians, you can't help but say, I wish my voice was being heard in that this discussion, right? I wish I could provide that insight. I wish, you know, I could help people kind of get away from the, from the extremes and help people kind of start seeing things. But we, we just need to orient ourselves such that we're all seeing the elephant from the same perspective, right? So that we can act, at least agree on the base the base truths, and then we can begin to discuss what are the peripheral items and, and the peripheral disagreements that we need to hash out. And, and so that's why I've had that interest recently to do so, because I feel like, um, yes, it's great to have that voice in, let's say, a podcast or a book or something like that, but hopefully I can get to a place where that voice is amplified just a little bit more such that, you know, places where I would normally not get an audience will have to cover it so that they can hear that, you know, the other side is not crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, some of us are, there's crazy people on both sides, right? <laughs> so there's crazy people on both sides, but I hear uh, you, you know, be so good and so true to yourself and your values that they can't ignore you anymore. Right. And I feel like, that is the path you're on. Um, I could sit here and talk to you all day. Um, from, people don't know this, but we went through a little bit of a gauntlet to get you on here. I messed up today and I messed up the time. So um, I'm so glad that you ran that gauntlet with me, that we figured out some small little hiccups and glitches on the way. And we got you here. I'm, I was really so excited when we got through to you and you said yes, because I have such a huge respect for you and the way that you are going about all this. So I appreciate you. I feel like we need more people like you coming into our country and, and you're teaching us as you do it. Like we're learning, I'm learning from you. Right. So uh, I feel like that's the gift that you are, you have given all of us you know, in this country. If you do, if you went away today and did nothing else, you would already have left a positive impact on on this country and definitely on me today and on our audience when they listen to this. So thank you so very much. If people want to hop online and follow you or follow up with you, keep up with what you're doing, where can they find you? Um, I am everywhere, but you have to learn to spell my name because it's not <laughs> a common name, right? Yeah. Um, I am everywhere, but my name is unique. So if you can figure out the name, you'll find me anywhere. So I'm on Instagram. I'm on um, TikTok, of course. I'm also on Facebook. The handle I use all in all those places is Willful Positivity. So just search for Willful Positivity. But everywhere else, um, just search for my name, which is Alma Ohenioparé, O-H-E-N-E-O-P-A-R-E. -E -E. um, also, I have a podcast that is coming up. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and my plan right now is to launch on November 9th, the day after the election, because I think Ooh. a lot of people are going to have a lot of things to say. Oh and so I, I strategically picked that date to launch the podcast. I'll, so if you follow me on social media, I'll be making announcements on the, where to find the podcast when it gets launched. And I'm hoping that um, we can begin to create a movement um, to, to kind of push back against the tide that America is, is going through right now. Thank yeah, you for that having would be me. Great. I, I have... 
I don't know what to expect in the next few weeks, but I feel like <laughs> I feel like we should all buckle up. Is what I think. I, I think we should, I think we should I all know. buckle up and get ready for a bumpy ride. I just advise yeah. Americans, please vote. You know, when I wasn't yeah. a citizen, the thing that I always said was, I, I just prayed that Americans would go and vote and represent my values because I couldn't. And now I have the opportunity to go and vote and represent the values of other immigrants like me who are not at that point yet. And so go vote. I think that's the most important thing we can do. Love it. Alma, thank you again so very much. You're welcome.